Hello, friends. Hello, 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 friends. A tradition unlike any other. Oh, 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 my goodness. In your life have you seen anything like that? There it is. Adam Scott, a life changer. Mashed potato. Here it, here it, here it, here it comes. This is the 19th Tea Podcast, Kieran Marsh. Nathan, Drudy, back with you. We've got the Dream Team back together. Drude's back off the long run after his well-earned break. And, and what better week to come back, Drudes? We've had another major, this time the women's side of the game. And what a story. I saw a fantastic tweet uh, from our good friend, Justin Ray, um, that the, the last two majors have seen a 50-year-old Californian legend and a 19-year-old Filipino breakthrough. Uh, you know, in almost consecutive weeks. Golf is a, a hell of a game. It's the global game. Okay, yeah. yeah we'll steal that off the uh, off the football side of things, and it is the global game. Well, yeah, what a phenomenal week. What a phenomenal week of golf. I mean, headlines on the PGA Tour, uh, the, the LPGA Tour delivering some fantastic golf. The European Tour going as we speak. Uh, it's been a, another big week. I know we say that every time we sit in this desk, but uh, it's been another big week of golf around the world, that's for sure. You mentioned European Tour are currently the fourth round of the European Open uh, underway as we record tonight. So we will bring you some live commentary uh, from the Green Eagle Golf Courses in Hamburg in Germany. Obviously, we're not there, uh, so that's a little bit of uh, radio magic when I say from the Green Eagle Golf Courses. Uh, this was probably going to be far more interesting when we discussed it earlier today uh, when Aussie and good friend of the podcast, Maverick Ancliffe, had a share of the lead after the third round. Uh, unfortunately for Mav, it's been a tough day. He's won over through 10 holes and now sits in a tie for fifth. So we probably aren't going to be riding home an Australian win for the very first time live in a podcast. Uh, that looks like it's Marcus Armitage who shot the lights out today. He's seven under through 13 Druids to have a two-shot lead at the very top over Thomas Detry and Matthew Southgate. But periodically, we will bring some updates. Yes. See if Mav Ancliffe can pull something out of the bag in the in the back nine here. Yes. Well, uh, Marcus Armitage has just uh, put one to about four feet on the par three as well. So he's looking like he'll go to nine under. Southgate six under, Detry five under, and then our mate Mav at four under. So um, fingers crossed that something can happen. Golf is a funny game, uh, but... Um, Probably looking not that un- funny. Looking, <laughs> looking unlikely at this stage. All right, let's raise a beer to the 19-year-old Filipino. As I said, Yuka Sasso, a winner on the second playoff hole at the Olympic Club in San Francisco to become a US Open women's champion. Uh, we do, of course, raise the beer thanks to our good friends at Gage Roads Brewing, WA's premier craft brewery, named after the strip of ocean between Rottnest and Fremantle. Drudster, how's this for us that to lead us off? Uh, heading into today, the youngest ever U.S. Women's Open champion was NB Park when she won the 2008 tournament at 19 years, 11 months, and 17 days. Would you believe Yuka Sasso today was 19 years, 11 months, and 17 days to mm. equal exactly to the day the youngest ever really? U.S. Women's Open champion and becomes the very first major champion from the Philippines? Brilliant. Fantastic story. What a what a phenomenal story for... Yuka Sasso, you know, performed uh, admirably across, you know, the first uh, across all days. Really, I mean, there was a, a little moment there today on two and three where she started with uh, a par and then double double, but um, the old in and out, and then uh, managed to to get into a playoff 
uh, with Nasa Hataoka, I believe. You're the one. Hataoka. You're the pronunciation. But yeah, phenomenal story. I mean, I wanted to lead off with a question for yourself. Do you think, which is in a better place right now as Marcus Armitage moves to nine under, as I mentioned, birdieing that hole? What's in a better place right now, the men's game or the women's game? Oh, philosophical question, obviously, but yeah, I, I would say recency bias. A lot of people would answer the men's just because of the story of Phil out of Kiwa. I think at the macro level, um, across the board, I'd say probably the women's mm. at, at this point in time. Um, I mean, we'll get to Lexi Thompson and, and she was probably the sentimental favorite for the Americans <laughs> who've had an absolute drought of, of um, major winners from on the women's side and a lot of people, you know, zero in around these majors for the women on the, on the quarter sisters or Daniel Kang uh, and probably to a lesser extent, Lexi Thompson until she bumped her head up this week and, and had one of the all time great collapses on the back nine today. But I just think what they continue to produce the depth of women's golf in the Asian region. Uh, I must admit, Yuka Sasa is not a name I'd heard much of mm. uh, and uh, leading into this week, particularly in the last couple of days. Uh, struggle to see a world in which it won't be a name we'll see an awful lot more of. Uh, mm. At 19 years of age, to have won her first major, to have a swing, I think, um, that set her apart this week. Um, we'll also get to the course, which was, I think, a huge winner, much like it was at Kiowa. And, you know, great courses produce great majors. And Olympic Club was phenomenal to watch, I thought. Uh, but, you know, unrelenting rough. And I think Yuka Sasso's game really gave her an advantage not just, you know, when she hit the fairway, but when she didn't, probably more importantly. So, yeah, I think, Drew, to answer your question at a macro level, I'd, I'd probably lean towards the women's game because I just think the depth and the stories that come out of the women's game at the moment is, is phenomenal. I, I will admit, uh, and I must correct myself, it was the third playoff hole. Uh, I'm getting a little bit confused because we danced between 9 and 18 there. And I must admit, I'm a little disappointed Call myself a purist at heart. I would have loved to see an 18 hole playoff, as was tradition in, in, in the US Open. Would love to see that. Let's go run it back, do it all load. again. But uh, load though, mate. Come on. Yeah, load, obviously. Um, but no, we went back up nine, then 18, and then it was the third playoff hole back on nine where she birdied to uh, to lift the trophy. So yeah, just a just a phenomenal story. And and again, we said it with um, Hideki Matsuyama and the significance of that victory on the stage that was Augusta National. Uh, what it does for young female golfers, uh, particularly in the Philippines, but more broadly in Asia, I think is, as that region goes from strength to strength in the women's game, is uh, it can't be understated. Do you think there's – is there a reason that they go 9-18-9 or play 18-18-18? Like, is, is that dictated to by broadcast given that their resources are predominantly on those holes? Like is that is is that the reasoning or who makes that call? I guess it's the tour, right? Yeah, it would be the USGA. Uh, I'd, I'd suggest that in these majors, there's still protocol and there's still procedure. I'd say mm. week to week on the tour, the broadcast has probably got a little bit more sway in in talking about where playoffs go in terms of their holes. Nine eighteen was funny. The, the Olympic course routing is odd in and of itself. It is, yeah. You know, they were going off, I think, alternate tees. They were going off one and eight or one and ten just yes. by virtue of how it's routed. Yeah, which because, was yeah, because eight finishes closer to the clubhouse than nine. Yeah, yeah, just strange. Uh, little quirks that, you know, in, in terms of a course that's literally built into the side of a hill. Uh, but, yeah, I, it, it was it was a, a thrilling playoff. Obviously, we um, 
we we parred nine, part eighteen, and then and then Sasso with the birdie, which you know across the course of the weekend, birdies were like hen's teeth really uh, at mm. this course, and mm. and she had the stones. More broadly, I mean her her performance. As I bring up another one of Justin Ray's tweets, he did some outstanding work across a pretty busy weekend. Uh, she was thirteen for sixteen putting um, from five feet this week, by far the highest percentage in the field. Uh, second U.S. Open, uh, sorry, U.S. Women's Open winner to hit less than sixty percent of the fairways since stats started being uh, tracked. So her ability to scramble at a course, and this is what I said before, a a swing in particular that gave her a fair advantage out of the rough, where a lot of people spent a fair amount of time this week at the Olympic Club, uh, really set her apart. But yeah, just the stones coming down, and I think to have the presence of mind, a lot of a lot of the stories, Druids, coming out of this tournament will be Lexi Thompson and how she, uh, I suppose, let it slip. But to look at Sasso's round, um, you know, she was she was two over today, but when it counted, um, you know, she came she came home, um, you know, with with a lot of a uh, lot of gusto and, and made some pretty clutch pars to keep herself right in the contest. So, yeah, thoroughly impressive victory from a you know a very young player at the beginning of her journey. Hundred percent. I think. I think that you know, looking at the women's tour this year, I've been so impressed with some of the stories that have come out. I mean, there's there's been no doubt that the stories that have come out of the PGA Tour and the, and the majors that we've had this year have been phenomenal. Like we've we've had some fantastic mm. stories. Obviously, Hedekis is 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 brilliant. Um, but I think you know we've had Patty Tavitanica on the LPGA Tour winning the ANA Inspiration. We've got Yuka Sasso winning. You know the the US Open, like this, the fantastic stories. They they're so young, and I think that's the massive difference between the LPGA and the women's game, probably more broadly, and the and the men's game is the men's game seems to have more of a firmer path through the NCAA and qualifying school than what the women's game does. I mean, you look at people like Lexi Thompson who have been on the tour for years, and and the same with Brooke Henderson and and all of these guys who have been playing on the LPGA tour for years and years and years. It, it's so the, the paths seem so different for the same sport. And that's, that's very rare to find. I think, you know, if you look at uh, the WNBA and the NBA, both their paths are through college basketball, through NCAA basketball mm. and a draft. Whereas I think golf would be one of the only games where the PGA tour is very much through college, then through Q school. Whereas, uh, the the women's game is very much um, you know there's an element of college golf in there but but we see people turn all these women turning pro a lot younger than uh, than what we do on the men's side and I think in many respects the women's game is streets ahead of the men in terms of the representation of Asian golfers at the very pointy end of their you know of their tour I mean you look at the you look at the top ten or twenty today Yuka Sasso and Nasa Hatoka were in the Playoff. Uh, you've got Chen Shang Fang finishing a tie for fourth, who copped an awful lot of heat for withdrawing um, from the match play event last week. Dresden, she was laughing today as she was in contention for the tournament. Ji Yu Lin at a tie for seven alongside Jin Young Ko, Arya Jatanagan, MB Park, John Long Lee Six, Se Young Kim. Oh, this incredible uh, representation of, of Asian women in the top 20 comparatively. And I think, as I said, they're probably half or a full generation ahead of time that we see that's going to be the case. And then we talk about the growth of the game and, and reference again, Hideki Matsuyama's significance of his victory at, at Augusta. I think the flow down effect we're beginning to see, you know, full well, we've been talking for 
you know, donkeys on this podcast about what we expect to see out of the South Korean women's team at the Olympics coming up. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, they'll, they might take the, take the dais. It'll be, <laughs> be hard to go past them. And that, I mean, the strength and to have a young 19-year-old from comparatively, when it comes to golf, a relatively unheralded country in the Philippines have the game to break through, like the door is wide open in terms of the women's game. Uh, and and I think that's so exciting for probably the next five to ten years. Hundred percent, one hundred percent. I think uh, I think that's what get what gets me excited about golf at the Olympics this year. Like if if we didn't see this throughout the year, I can't imagine I would be as excited about golf at the Olympics. We've spoken at, at length about what golf at the Olympics really means, but I think if there wasn't the level of competitiveness on the LPGA tour, I, I can't imagine I would be as interested in the game at the Olympic Games. Is that, that a fair assessment? Yeah, I think so. I think so. I mean, I think it's it's one of those things, right? It's you're either and I know that we've we've heard a lot of golfers talk about the fact that you can't just introduce golf into the Olympics and expect that everybody will have this visceral reaction and desire to represent their country because golf was never pegged that way. Many players do and have and mm. you know and you have to see the passion with which Ricky Fowler took to it at the last Olympics for the Americans. Justin Rose will always be a gold medal winner. You can't take that away from him. But I think what we've seen this year and the depth of field, um, the dominance uh, or, you know, the anticipated dominance that we expect out of the South Korean women's team and that, you know, that that real um, rivalry, I think that will come up against a very strong US women's side as well. And there's going to be a lot of narratives that play out of that. So I think, We've probably uh, – I don't know about you, Drew. I saw a, a – was it a tweet? would have been a tweet that we're like inside 50 days to the start. Oh, that blew me away. It doesn't feel like an Olympic year really? at all. And that's – yeah. I that's feel like – I I don't know. I still have hesitations that it's going ahead. Like I know it is, but internally <laughs> I'm like, nah, nah, this isn't – this this can't happen. Yeah. <laughs> Like, oh, I, yeah, well, shit, Drew, we, we're shutting, we're, you know, we've got the AFL out running COVID here in Australia mm. and, you know, week by week we've got the, you know, as 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 you well know, the Suncorp Super Netball doing the same, uh, yes. rugby league less so uh, at the NRL because the, the storm just based themselves up on the Sunshine Coast at their holiday home. But, you know, we, we're talking about an Olympics, we're talking about uh, hundreds, thousands of delegates and athletes travelling from around the world into Japan, which isn't roses at the moment from a COVID perspective itself. Fourth it's, wave. It's odd. It's, it's, I, I, that almost I knocked me over when I read that, that, you know, we're inside 50 days now and, and it does not feel at all like we're in an Olympic year, let alone inside no. 50 days. But the golf in particular, I think, um, excites me ironically a lot more than it did four years ago when, when the cloud of Zika virus um, hung over, hung over Rio de Janeiro. So, yeah, it's interesting. I think it, it, that it, it threatens to be an awfully good competition. Um, I hand on heart know nothing about the course they're playing at, and we probably should do a bit of research on that. We might have to do a special Olympics episode as we Mm. get closer because there'll be bugger all else going on in August. Um, But But I think think it's only going to be interesting on the women's side. Mm. The men's side doesn't interest me that much. Yeah. Like I couldn't give a fuck if Justin Rose and Paul Casey beat Brooks Kepka and – someone i don't really care unless it's brooks and bryson bed like that would interest me i would be watching that and we're going to get to that later on but i would watch that mm. the men's side doesn't interest me as much like we love team golf but it's not it's not a i don't know do, do you know what i mean like the women's 
side of it, just given the level of competition, particularly between the South Koreans, the Thai team, as we mentioned, and the Americans, for me, they're the three leading countries. But other than that, like on the men's side, I'm the Swedes are very interesting. The, the Danes are very interesting on the, on the women's side, the Aussies. I mean, Jesus, hopefully we go. Okay. But the men's side doesn't get me excited. It's the women's side that gets me more excited at the moment. I, I'm not not 100 percent sure why, because I I don't know anything about the course. <laughs> no, well that's right, and 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 that remains to be seen. We'll park that one. We'll, we'll have a special Olympics episode that comes out. Deep dive, uh, yeah, maybe a little deep dive on a course that's probably been built six months ago for this tournament alone. Um, Druids, so yeah, a, a big congratulations to uh, Yuka Sasso. We'll make our way as we should down uh, the, the leaderboard. Nasa Hatsuoka, as we said, made away into the playoff, um, ousted on the third playoff hole. Lexi Thompson is the story of the day. Uh, outside of the winner, of course, uh, entered the final round as the 54-hole leader and shoots four over today to ultimately miss the playoff. And I don't know if – I mean, she had a tough day all round, but that part on, on 18 today – um, you know, she had, I think, a, maybe an eight-footer to put herself in the playoff and she left it two-foot short. Mm. It was, yeah, it was bad. You're looking at her around there today. Starts with a birdie and everyone thinks, well, like this this could be it. This could be the American breakthrough victory at a women's major that everyone's been starving for and such a great story. Selfishly, I was screaming for it, Drew, because shit, it would have made for a good ad read tonight for the, the, the great team at Puma. Um, but she just... You know, she's been around for so long. She's only 26 years old, but I think mm. she played in her first US, US Women's Open at like 12. Yeah. Which is insane. And I think this was her 14th or 15th tournament going back to try and break through. Um, and the wheels just came off on the, the back nine. So she's, she's one under through 10 holes today and then goes double, par, par, bogey, par, par, bogey, bogey, finished, ultimately missed the playoff. Mm. which when we talk about, I mean, as a country, we have ultimate scar tissue um, from a few Greg Norman performances, but that, that's got big whiffs of, of the shark there in terms of having, having a win at your mercy and, and throwing it to the wind. Oh, just ejected herself off a cliff. Yeah. This is the way I look at it. Just, I don't know, just so disappointing. Mm. I mean, you look at, I look at Lexi Thompson in the sense that it's like how how did she lose that against a 19-year-old? Yep. Do you know what I mean? Like, and and I don't mean to take anything against against Yuka Sasso, and and it's going to come across as, as though I have there, but Lexi Thompson should have run straight over her. Like she's so experienced. She's a phenomenal golfer, an absolutely phenomenal golfer who got outplayed by a 19 year old today. Like it's just a, it's just a bizarre set of circumstances that came out today. And particularly I, w- I potentially would have understood perhaps if she had gone out on the front nine and ended up five over and then sort of fought back with a couple of birdies and whatever, but just, to to be in contention after nine holes, make the turn and then just go nowhere was was a bizarre set of circumstances for me today. Yeah, it was it was it got hard to watch. 41 on the back nine, like that's club stuff. Not even, you know, and, and with a with a major on the line. 
Mm. And as I said, like I actually had a bit of a physical reaction watching that putt on the 72nd hole today. You know, when it was all on the line to scrape into a playoff just to keep herself alive and left it two foot short, it was it was timid, um, you know, when the heat was on. And, and that was really hard to watch because uh, it was one of those things, right, where I, I heard it described really well from um, listening to the No Laying Up podcast after Phil's went at the PGA where there came, a, there came a moment in time on Sunday at the PGA where you're feeling flicked from this would be awesome to see to this would be disastrous not to see mm. you yeah. know and and that is what happened on the back nine today like lexi thompson there's a lot of great stories but hers is a great story you know america's sweetheart from the age of 12 when she first started in a major and to still really be only 26 as i said and be considered like a literal veteran to to break through for a for a home open would have been a wonderful story and I think everyone kind of bought in. Like she, she's not necessarily one of the quarter sisters or Danielle Kang or a more popular American, but she was going to break the drought. And everyone had bought in by you know probably the start of today, particularly going out the gate with a with a birdie. And then it, it, it kind of was painful. Like it was it was really awkward to watch the wheels come off in the fashion that they did. Uh, and yeah, to to your point, to kind of not stand up to. A player who, you know, not to take any away from Yukasasa, maybe she's in, not maybe she obviously has an incredible temperament. But we saw we saw this happen with Phil coming up against Brooks, and not to suggest that you know it's a comparison between uh, that matchup and what happened today. But that Phil, like Phil, controlled the the older veteran controlled the tempo of that final round. He played everything to his own pace. He slowed everything down. And he got inside Brooks's head. And to your point, maybe you would have expected that out of Lexi to just slow everything down today and and exert a little bit more authority on a final round of a person of her experience and stature. And it just it was never delivered. I think I probably would have expected it more. I mean, yeah. Phil, Phil and Bryson, I mean, you know, Bryson's a four-time major champion. You know, Yuka Sasso hasn't, you know, with all due respect before today, hasn't achieved anything. So yeah. I would have expected Lexi, a major champion, you know, winner of an ANA inspiration. She's finished inside the top 10 at all LPGA major championships. I would have expected her to run completely over the top today. I had I had no doubt, looking at the overnight leaderboard, going that Lexi Thompson is going to be the winner here. I, did, I, I was completely shocked and blown away mm. by her performance on the back nine. And and I think that's a really good comparison from between Phil and, Phil and um, Brooks, but... Mm. Even more so, like if you look at, you know, where le- if you look at the the gap between Phil and Brooks might be a meter, the the gap between Lexi and Yuka's twenty meters, right? Yeah, disappointing. Uh, I, I did note that uh, the agent cut off after two questions in the post round presser. And well, that's she fucking was, bullshit too. She's and and copying a bit of heat. Um, rightfully so. I, you and I are on the same page, and I'm not going to go into bat for her there because it'll end up in a Naomi Osaka. A rabbit hole that I don't yeah, want to can, go down. No, can I ask um, you? I want to ask you, what, what's your thoughts on that? Because oh, we both look, work, in, work in the same industry, right? So we're probably yeah. v- relatively biased towards this. But what's your, what's your, what's your quick thoughts on the name of Osaka? I'm conscious of stepping on a landmine that I can't see uh, because <laughs> it seems like a really hot button issue. Answer the question, Keg. What I'll say is this. Uh, I probably didn't have as much of a problem with it at first as what I thought because she was seemingly happy to pay the fine. And ultimately, if she's just going to stomach it and pay the fine, so be it. 
really, who cares? Because it's not as if she's dancing up and down about the fact she has to pay the fine. She was going to refuse and just pay the fine. The fact that she subsequently withdrew from the entire tournament, I found a little odd. Um, and there's a part of me that's, you know, you would not have the platform that you have without the media and irrespective of whether you enjoy them or not, you go and you sit in them um, and you answer questions much like I thought Venus Williams was excellent. Yeah, you know, how do you handle those questions? Because I know none of you clowns would hold a candle up to me as a tennis player. And so it doesn't matter. And I thought that was awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that level of honesty. Uh, I think, I think Drude's that uh, where I struggle is where, where, where do you draw the line? Because seemingly a lot of people, this is like any, I think, pop culture issue. People jump on board without any context. A lot of people, you know, we stand with you, Naomi, you shouldn't have been made to do it. So if Naomi Osaka, what's the the criteria for satisfying uh, mental health anguish at press conferences? And how do you draw that line definitively? Because now it's just going to be anyone who doesn't like doing them will just throw up mental health as an excuse, which in turn undermines mental health. Correct. And legitimacy of it. Yeah. So where do you draw the line? It's a really slippery slope to say, okay, that's fine for Naomi, but everyone else, we're going to enforce the rules and you yeah, do it. Yeah, yeah. And then if everyone else is off of them and we throw out, you know, post-round press conferences, uh, it's, yeah, it's a slippery slope, really slippery slope. So don't necessarily have a strong opinion either way other than to say wouldn't have wanted to be a part of the French Open team trying to navigate that, particularly from a comms perspective. Um, don't love the fact that Lexi's agent cut off after two questions today. What I will say is she went straight from the tent of the media outside and there's a couple of photos. I'll go in. Twitter. Sorry, um, I'm just watching the golf. <laughs> it, we'll get back to the update in a moment. There's a couple of photos jumping around today. She walked out of the media tent out to a crowd of about 30 or 40 young kids. Uh, many of whom were young girls, and she stood there and signed autographs and had photos, and which I would mount an argument is more important than her standing there answering questions about what happened because she can't explain it. She's fucking just walked off. She doesn't know what's happened. Uh, and in terms of things that are more valuable, maybe going spending a bit of time with the kids ultimately is a bit more valuable than giving um, shit pot answers that she just wants to get out of there because she doesn't want to be there. Yeah, I mean... I get, I get that. Yeah. I think more than two questions would have been, would have been okay. She's yeah, a I mean, you, let it, you let it run for a while. Absolutely, she's a professional, no right? It's part of the job. Yeah, part of the job. I th- uh, yeah, I don't know. I, th- I think we probably come from a skewed view because yep. that's our job, right? Answer yeah. the questions. Yeah, um, even and, if you don't like to, you answer the questions. Yeah, and ultimately, you know, my my thoughts with the whole. Naomi Saka piece, and even with Lexi today, was you, you can't bite the hand that feeds you. Correct. Um, the media play an important role. The media helps. Central, to, critical. Yeah, the media help to promote your sponsors, promote the sports sponsors, which without that, the game doesn't exist. I mean, <laughs> you know, we're talking about a million-dollar prize purse for Yuka Sasso today, which is what's handed out on the PGA Tour week in, week out more. Um, but the game the game needs to grow and the commercial partners behind it need to grow. And I think when we turn down opportunities to put our sports stars, i.e. Lexi Thompson, in front of the media, I, 
that to me doesn't help the game grow. Fantastic that she went out and signed autographs. Awesome. Like I think that, and I agree with you. I think that's you know potentially more important. But Lexi could have handled ten to twelve questions about her poor performance today. I have no doubt about it. One of those things, right? You don't want to do media. Cool. No worries. We just won't put it on the TV then. Yeah. No worries. But also, that's where the tour needs to step in and have a bit of fucking cojones and say, actually, no, you will do media because here's this is the these are the reasons why. Which we we've both had that in our careers. We've both had people who don't want to do media and said, well, actually, no, you don't really have a choice. Yeah, that's right. And those are the conversations, uh, albeit tough ones, that you need to have. So. Which I don't think the tour is prepared to have, right? Uh, on neither side and neither the men's or the women's it appears um, albeit the I think the women do it a lot better uh, I think the LPGA is straight ahead of the PGA tour geez we've got sidetracked oh goodness me haven't we um, <laughs> we're going to work our way just quickly a few other names I want to point out yeah. uh, can we get an update from the European Open in Hamburg uh, Marcus Armitage still nine under, Maverick Hancliffe still four under. There was just a wonderful shot from, I think it is at uh, Matthew Southgate uh, from about 178 yards that went to about two inches. So that's what I was willing to go in just to make a bit yeah, of a right. game of it at the moment because Armitage is out by three shots. He's uh, on the 16th at the moment. Mab's back on the 11th, uh, but hasn't put his approach shot within uh, QE of the pin, unfortunately. Okay, a few more names to work through uh, on the US Women's Open before we draw a line, a line underneath this one. Dreads, just a really quick one. Shanchang Feng, a tie for fourth. Uh, the Chinese national, I mentioned, uh, copped a fair bit of criticism for withdrawing um, from the match play event last week. She openly admitted that she was saving herself for an, a major, God forbid, the next week. Uh, she she was in contention today, well and truly, um, and, and put herself in, you know, in every opportunity to maybe contest so that is a, a a decision i'm sure she will not regret the reason i call her out is i don't know if you caught this on the broadcast she wears or plays with sorry not wears permanently plays with two separate gloves she has a, a glove that's been in the rotation for quite some time it's an older one that she specifically wears for chipping really and then she has a new one that she wears for full shots that's that. unreal. I love, love that, that stuff. Yeah. That's, that's very cool. Very good from her. I mean. Yes. So that's that's my Shen Shen Fang. I'll give that a go. Uh, that's my Shen Shen Fang note. Uh, and then moving down, the next person I'm going to call out, T14, the high amateur, Mega Garn. I don't know if you saw this. Right Unbelievable. 17-year-old. She essentially had time off school. Hmm to play in the tournament, um, CBS, was it CBS or NBC? NBC had the rights and they actually found her. She had an assignment due on Friday and they found a geometry teacher, I think it was geometry, who gave her an exemption because, um, you know, because she's playing in the second round of the fucking US Women's Open. It's just good content. Really liked it. She was 67-71 through the first two days. She was leading after the first day, wasn't she? Right there. Like she was right there, Drew. I think she. Yeah, I think she was. In I think she was in a tie for the lead. I think. I don't think she was. Yeah. Yes. 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 Uh, but that's a name to keep your eye on, Mega Garn, the high amateur in T fourteen. Is she? And where's she going to school? Is she uh, committed? Anywhere? Committed somewhere? Uh, you. I'll, I'll give you time to pad. Yeah, you keep going. Um, while I mention a few more names, and that's mainly the Australians. So the high Aussie was Minji Lee at a tie fifty fourth. She was fourteen over. So what's that? Eight shots back. Sorry, not eight. 18 shots back of the lead. That's why I do words, not numbers. 
Uh, Minji Lee at 14 over in a tie for 54th. Hannah Green was 17 over in a tie for 62nd. Missing the cut from an Australian perspective. Uh, Emily Maha, who is an amateur, she went 77-75. She's at college over in the state Struids. I said in the preview that I didn't know much about her. She's actually uh, out of the Capera Club here in Brisbane. Mm. So, uh, she'll be one to keep an eye on when she turns pro and I think a future guest on this program. Sarah Jane Smith missed the cut. And then uh, Kempy, Sarah Kemp. Who's our leading chance. Yeah, who I, I said in the preview pod, probably the former Australian golfer across the world in the last month to six weeks. Uh, she went 78-79 um, to, to miss the cut quite, quite comfortably. So they were the Aussie chances in the field. Was there anyone else that you wanted to point out, Drudes? Yeah, the- just very quickly. I mean, Patty Tabitanikit, T26, always on the lookout for her, and uh, Madeline Sagstrom as well at T20. But I did want to shout out uh, – now, it pains me to say it because I don't really like uh, Stanford much. Um, just – just dislike them being a, a rival of my Oregon Ducks, but um, have to credit where credit's due. Now, uh, Rachel Heck, I believe, uh, yeah. T35. Now, she finished at 10 over par, beating Lydia Ko uh, as well. And then um, they also have uh, on their team is Aileen Crowter, a German. She missed the cut, but... Um, she she played some nice golf, not obviously enough to make the weekend, but they are going to have a team to to be reckoned with in the coming years. If if Heck and and Crowder, I imagine that Heck's probably going to turn pro very soon. I think she's only a junior, uh, but the person who is committed that you just mentioned or verbally intended to go to. Uh, Stanford is mega gun as well. So they are going to have one hell of a, uh, okay. a NCAA team in, in the pipeline. Even if Rachel Heck does turn pro, I'm pretty sure she's a junior, uh, but if she does turn pro, they're going to have a hell of a replacement in mega gun coming through um, to uh, replace her. So exciting times for Stanford women golf. Don't really like them, um, but uh, can't, can't deny that they're playing some fantastic golf at, at this point in time. Andrew, so just very briefly before we move off uh, the course, I mentioned uh, Olympic Club, first time it hosted a US Women's Opens, hosted five men's US Opens and a couple of US amateurs in the past. What mm. a phenomenal venue. I I thoroughly enjoyed it. And geez, we're spoiled uh, off the back of Kiowa for the PGA for our next major on the calendar to go to a course like Olympic. I thought yes. it was unreal. Yes. Yeah, no, agree. Olympic Club's outstanding. It's a... Uh, it's a lot of fun to watch. I mean, I'm, I mean, what's your take on when Golf Digest and all the rest of it put up videos of how deep the rough is with the ball dropping the ball into the rough? Like, are you tiring of them? Because yeah, I, 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 I was last year. Yeah, I, like I get it. The rough's thick. Why? Why is it news at a US Open? That's the modus operandi of, of the USGA. I don't understand why. It's any major. But yeah. anyway, but but any week it's rough. Like yeah. I, I just I don't care. Like don't don't show me unless it's going to be ab- abnormal. Like when we went to Wing Foot last year for the U.S. Open and it was hammed up as oh, this is going to be this is going to be seriously bad. Like everyone thought that the years gone by were going to be bad. This is going to be seriously bad, and it wasn't even that fucking bad. Like mm. it was just like another normal week on tour. Mm. Mm. Oh, I'm, just, I'm over it. I'm over the those stupid uh, those stupid videos. But um, 
the course itself is is phenomenal. Awesome. Absolutely phenomenal. Um, final thing I will say as a segue into our next topic is cannot for the life of me understand because it would never happen the other way. Cannot for the life of me understand why we need to play a PGA Tour event on the same weekend as a women's major. Why the PGA are so pig-headed and arrogant to believe that they are as important as uh, a major tournament on the women's side, I think speaks volumes of all the things that are wrong with the PGA Tour and why on earth that needed to happen. Like have a weekend off. You already play probably 12 tournaments too many in a year. Take that weekend off. Not suggesting we don't play the Memorial. It's one of the best tournaments, I think, on the tour. I love Muirfield Village. It's one of my favourite courses. Um, not certain about Jack's renovations. I mean, he's pretty much ripped the soul out of the course and <laughs> redone it. But play it at any other time of the year. Give the US Women's Open and any women's major for that matter clear air. It should be the only golf that we see on that weekend. Yeah, I, I agree because it still plays second fiddle in the broadcaster's right. eyes, doesn't it? M- NBC, we didn't get it here. NBC in America, they switched, them, hey? yeah. switched the playoff to the golf channel and ran some fucking gymnastics. Like, the, the disrespect is, oh, it's, yeah, it's it smacks you in the face. And for the PGA Tour to think, yeah, no, it'll be fine. You know, we had we had the the final round starting at the same time today. What? Why are you making it a choice? Why are you not encouraging people to watch a women's major? It, like, yeah, I don't, I don't understand. I, I don't understand. No, I agree. It's not as if the PGA Tour is up against, you know, I mean, it is um, up against another another sports major in tennis. It's literally cannibalizing its own sport. Yeah. Like it, it, yeah, it's it's woefully stupid. Well, listeners, we've got a very exciting announcement at the moment. We are pumped to announce a partnership with our friends at Two Under. It's not a score you're going to hear very often on this podcast out of either of us, but you're going to hear plenty about the team at Two Under. Built for performance, style, and comfort, their undies are going to protect the tackle box and their socks are going to keep your feet grounded. Plus, being a 19th tee listener, you're going to get 20% off when you use hashtag the 19th tee at the checkout. Plus, we get a little bit of kickback as well. That's how sponsorship works on a podcast. So if you want to help us keep making this content, talking all sorts of golf, plus some future content and get some comfy undies and socks, head to twounderoznz.com.au. That's two, the number, U-N-D-R. There's no E in there. So the number two, U-N-D-R, Ausausnz.com.au. Anywho. Uh, Do you want to go to the PGA Tour? Yeah, on the woefully stupid tour, Patrick Cantlay wins the fourth uh, tournament in his career, wins the Memorial for the second time and becomes um, just the second player alongside Tiger Woods to win the Memorial multiple times before the age of 30. I must admit, Drew's despite all of that yesterday, uh, sorry, today, uh, this morning, more accurately, Australian time felt a little flat because I I really, and we spoke about this on Sunday evening, Australian time, uh, I struggled to recognise the legitimacy of this tournament post the 54 holes and the chaos that ensued uh, off the 18th green when John Rahm was inexplicably, literally steps off the green informed that he tested positive for COVID uh, at that stage. Was he leading by five or six at that six. stage? 
yeah, so tournament was um, what well, I mean. Done. Lexi Thompson threw away five shot lead today. So we won't say confidently it was done. No, it was but done. For all um, intents and purposes, um, John Rahm was set to be crowned the champion of the Memorial. And in the most bizarre of circumstances, plays no part in today's tournament. And Patrick Cantlay gets it done in a playoff over Colin Morikawa. A shit show. Oh, oh, top I to just, bottom. Uh, I mean, I was uh, I was at work over here over the long weekend in Perth, as you know. We work over the long weekend uh, in June, and I WA was day. Yeah, <laughs> WA day, yeah, bigger than the bigger than the Tokyo Olympics. Um, I was refreshing the feed to see where John Rahm had ended up. On when did I message you? Was it yesterday or Saturday? It was Saturday. Yeah, it was wasn't early it? Sunday. No, no, it was Sunday. Was- it was Sunday. Yes, it, it was, was yesterday. Yeah, it was Sunday. So I was uh, messaging you and refreshing the feed to work out where uh, – just watching Maverick Camp Cliff's shot come in as he shoots the green, uh, overshoots it, so not going well, math. Um, but uh, trying to refresh the feed is to work out where John Rahm was and all I'm seeing is Pat Cantlay and Colin Morikawa, T1, and I'm trying to work out what the hell is going on. In isolation. Um, And then I had to, yeah, had to to Google to understand where where John Rahm was, which was, it was just a nightmare. I mean, first and foremost, right, I think what we need to, what we need to probably just agree and under the the tour's COVID rules, it was the correct decision to have him removed from the tournament. I don't think anyone can disagree with that. Mm. Whether that was sane and the proper decision <laughs> is up for another discussion. Mm. I, I can't, I just can't understand how they can rule a bloke out. Like, who did he play with in the first two days? And so uh, I think I've got the, a lot of questions here, and you, you're probably going to be best placed to answer them for me. So, yeah. So I think a couple of things for context. My understanding is the tour was aware upon his arrival at the tournament. Mm-hmm. That he had potentially been in close contact with a positive case. Okay, so that, that, that's number one. It, Shall we stop were, and discuss that? Yeah. So on notice from the moment he arrived at the tournament, I believe that he flagged that, uh, and then obviously went through the protocols. The fact that it got to Saturday, and he got that's six strokes disgrace. out ahead of the field, um, in and of itself, is a problem. And then this was my question to you, like. A lot of people, obviously, with there was some inclement weather around um, the tournament across the weekend. So, uh, carryover of the second round played. I think he ended up playing, you know, the best part of twenty-seven holes or so on on the Saturday. He played with Morikawa and Shawfley in the morning, and then he played with Cantlay and Scheffler in the afternoon. So, it's both four different people across the day in which we find a second positive result confirming. Mm-hmm. Um, the diagnosis of COVID or being, or the, uh, sorry, despite the fact he's asymptomatic, so not feeling sick. Um, but he's exposed to four different people, eight different people if you include caddies, nine if you include his own caddy, not to mention the fact that we had pretty pretty full house there at Millfield Village, uh, not to mention all the people he would have come into contact with, you know, um, broadcast, scoring tent, uh, dining hall, transport, range, um, dressing room, like, and, and all of this when he arrived 
and the tour was aware that he was a potential close contact with a positive case. This comes not long after they've recently relaxed the rules, um, you know, with, with vaccinations now increasing around America, and particularly I think they announced post the result coming out about John Rahm that 50% of the PGA Tour is now vaccinated. Um, interestingly enough, they wouldn't confirm whether or not Rahm had um, and, and maintain that it was nobody's business despite the fact they're happy to promote a percentage that have. He's a hashtag anti-vaxxer, is he? It could be. Uh, could be, John, uh, which, which would be uh, maybe worth a, an episode uh, in and of itself. Um, <laughs> I don't – I. It, it was truly odd. Now, for the people who jumped up and down, at the people who were jumping up and down uh, about the manner in which he was informed, saying, well, they had to tell him straight away, they had to keep everyone protected and they had to make sure he was aware as soon as humanly possible. They were happy to let him play for three days mm. while he was going through the testing protocols. I think that's my that's my thing, right? Marcus Armitage has just made a bogey, drops back to eight under. I think that's that's my thing, right? Like if he's been in close contact, like I'm sorry, but for you need to you need to remove yourself yeah. before we, like why put ourselves in the position where this bloke's going to be in a 54 hole lead correct and go on to win the tournament correct uh, so players get tested when they arrive to a tournament and then they're, they're not getting tested every day is that is that accurate? Do you know the? Do you know what the testing I protocol? I, I don't know the answer, but I would assume that if they were, that we wouldn't have got. Well, if they're getting tested every day, then we wouldn't be in the situation. No, we wouldn't be in the situation. I just see. I just find it very hard, and it's not John John Rahm's fault, right? No, like he he followed the just, rules. He's playing within the parameters that he's being allowed to play in. Correct. Um, I I just I just cannot get over the PGA Tour in the sense like. There are so many examples across the past year. Like when COVID broke out and we we're at the players last year in, in April, right? And we stood the fucking chain smokers playing on stage. And, and now we're at this where we're at 54. We got a 54 hole leader withdrawing because you're telling him on the verge of the green, as he's walked off the green, we didn't even put a mask on him. No. No, we were happy to put a mask on ourselves telling him, but don't worry about it, John. We'll just, it's fine. Honestly, I just feel like we bang our heads against the wall yeah. so consistently. And, and with all, you know, John Rahm played it like an absolute gentleman. I mean, credit credit to him. He, you know, he, put out, he was really disappointed and all the rest of it on, on social media. I would have been, I would have been fuming. I would have been absolutely fuming that I came to you and I imagine self-reported and said, I w- I've been in close contact with a, with a confirmed case and you've told me that I can still play. And now I'm 54 holes in. I'm three quarters of the way through winning a golf tournament and you're telling me I can't, I cannot win this tournament now. You're, you're going to make me withdraw. Mm. Like I would have been absolutely fuming. And I, I don't know how much control uh, John Rahm actually had over what he put out. I mean, potentially not a lot. Uh, given what it thought was quite uh, quite contrived, <laughs> but do you know what I mean? I just think it's just a. I just thought it was a complete and utter disgrace the way that it was all managed. The the and going back to if you nip the issue in the bud at mm. the very beginning and say you are you have been in close contact with 
a confirmed case. You're, you're not coming onto site. You're not playing. Like, I don't think anyone would have, like, we would have mentioned it tonight, but we wouldn't be sitting here talking about it for 10 minutes. Do you, do you remember, am I, this might be a figment of my imagination. Was there a point at which last year a player tested positive and then played the final round solo? Yeah. Do you remember yes. that? Yeah, I do. Was it the European tour, though, potentially? I don't I, know. I can't remember, but I think you're right. I, like, surely, like, even that should have been an option. Yeah, I, it's weird because they've relaxed some protocols and then just completely turned others on their head. And I, I to your point at the very top, I don't disagree with the stance of removing him from the tournament. Once positive test returns, I think that's perfectly within reason. It's but that's the letter of the law. That's it's getting, to, it's allowing it to get to that point, and then it's the manner in which it was delivered. I mean, there is no situation under which I would suggest they should have shared that information with CBS because it's medical information. But the way in which you've delivered at Greenside, you had Jim Nance and and Faldo speculating. Oh, yeah. I have no Take idea. Yeah, Take has someone has someone died? Like. <laughs> And like the reaction was was dramatic from Ram enough to, and, and like emotional enough for you to think Jesus this is something really quite serious like mm. and that's that's born from how and where they decided to share that news like what difference would it have made well they even even, even just to like walk alongside him and just escort him to the golf cart. And then tell him on the golf cart, but like to a, to like stand in his way and stop him and make a scene. Like it should have been done behind Christ. closed doors. That's yeah. the sort of shit that needs to be done behind closed doors. You can't do that on the edge of a green Correct. and just accost a guy who has has come off like John Rahm walking off the, at the memorial with a six shot lead. Like he's won the tournament, right? Like Correct. essentially, he's won the tournament, barring an utter disaster he's won the tournament and then to stop stop him on the edge of the green and just go actually chief uh you can have you can have the rest of the week off now because you've got covid like surely it's a john we need you to come into the the uh the tent or when they go into the scorer's tent or something like surely they could have taken him to a a better location than put him in front of all these people It, it was a nightmare and it and totally totally on brand for the PGA Tour over the past 18 months. They've been a bastard, basket case. They've also yeah. been a bastard too. <laughs> yeah. Pick your word. Uh, they, yeah, they, they matched the bill. It was, um, yeah, it, it was, it was if possible to be shocked, but not at all surprised at the very same time. Yeah, Do you know how that. often we say that phrase on this podcast? Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, so anyway, outside of that, there was a tournament um, um, run and won today. Patrick Cantley, as I mentioned, fourth to a title of his career, second Memorial. Uh, he's kind of not really been anywhere. So, you know, good to see a stone-cold killer like Patty Cantley pop back up again and win. One in a playoff over Colin Morikawa, who, again, there's concerns about, as has been creeping in, and this is an v- incredibly strange thing to say, but a multiple um multiple winner, including a major at such a young age. But uh, read a stat today, strokes gained approach um, for the season, um, daylight between him and second, and uh, ranked 53rd in the final round today in that stat. So heat's on. L- oh. Literally, you've been handed an opportunity. You, you had a six-shot 
deficit erased overnight um, and you were handed an opportunity. And based on form leading into this tournament, I would have said Colin Morikawa gets the, the job done relatively easily over Patrick Cantlay and and another platform burnt by uh, by, by the young American. I'm okay with Colin Morikawa at the moment. I yeah. feel like I think he's got something big on the horizon for us very soon as uh, Maverick Cancliffe makes another bogey. So drops to three under. So I'd say he, he's he, officially done. Morikawa probably fucking wins at Tory Pines. Potentially. Of me. Does Patrick um, Cantlay... Is he the most un-UCLA looking person to ever go to UCLA is my question. Yeah. <laughs> like, he, he's a bit, I mean, you want to talk about Stanford. He's a bit Stanford or a bit Harvard or a bit. Oh. <laughs> you, don't, you don't reckon? Oh, 100%. Yeah. He, he's so Stanford. He the definitely wears he a sweater to, vest. Oh, he's 100%. A sweater vest guy. <laughs> 100%. He, the fact that he went to UCLA, like UCLA, UCLA is still a bougie college. Like yeah. I, I don't think we shouldn't, we shouldn't underestimate that. But UCLA to me is like beach and like surfer dudes. Yeah. He's it's still fucking, immensely hard to get into. Patrick Cantlay fucking burns under a like a yeah. He's the milky bar kid. That boy. <laughs> he's so hot. Um, yeah. Can't play golf though. Uh, Ken, Ken and Will. A couple of other names I want to pick out here. Uh, Drew's to uh, Scotty Scheffler back in a bit of form. He finishes in third. Shane Lowry. Tie for six continues. What's been an incredible run of late for the uh, the defending Open champion? Because uh, we we are yet to get back to a, an Open championship. Not long. No, not long now. And will, whether or not he will still be the defending Open champion in a couple of months' time remains to be seen. But he certainly found some form at the right time, leading into his title defence. Uh, Big Dick Rick back in the top one hundred. Drews, I think I saw him projected into the eighties, eighty eighth, uh, courtesy of a T eleven finish for Ricky. Fowler, uh, and then I'll just go through a couple of the Aussies. Adam Scott, T16. Lucas Herbert was, I think, seven under at the conclusion of the third round. Um, he was. He was poor to, uh, today, four over, but he finishes in a tie for 18. He, he's had a good little run his last couple of weeks over in the States as Lucas Herbert, so good to see him in some form. And then there were um, – uh, Leash was at T57, uh, Cameron Smith, along with a few others, missed the cut. So Smith missed the cut. Matty Jones missed the cut. Ken Davis also missed the cut as well from the Aussie perspective. So that was the memorial, unless you had anything else that jumped out at you from that tournament. Oh, it's uh, Patrick Reed. I mean, I always seem to bring him up. He finished outright fifth, just continues to sneak in the back door. Jimmy Walker was, I think, low round of the day. Well, I know he was low round of the day with a 65. So he went from uh, one over par after the uh, third round to, to six under uh, with a seven under today. So shot up 32 spots. Aaron Wise, uh, just looking for the Oregon boys into into the top 10. But yeah, Ricky Fowler was really exciting, I thought, as well, uh, as you touched on. He's playing some nice golf in, in the last couple of tournaments. It's nothing too much to get excited about at the moment. But uh, yeah, getting getting sort of mini Jordan Spieth return vibes at the moment from Ricky, which is exciting. Uh, Bryson and Rory both finishing T18 as well at one under, but uh, a long, a long, long way off the pace. Outside the top four, I mean, everyone was really off the pace with uh, between Cantlay, Morikawa, Scheffler and Brandon Grace. I mean, we haven't even mentioned his name, but finished outright fourth. So very interesting tournament. I mean, it's... Uh, I think it's a it's definitely boosted by the um, by the course. Uh, yeah. I, I know that Jack's obviously done a, a few renovations 
to it of, of of late, but um, yeah, it's it's certainly one that's boosted by by the course. Um, there's no doubt, and it it attracts a very good field. Uh, it certainly attracts a very good field, but you know, guys like Dustin Johnson wasn't in the field this week, so yeah, it's a it is an interesting one that I I do look forward to each year, just given the fact that um, the course is is something that I like to look at, but also um it does does get a good field in amongst uh in amongst the players i think it holds a fairly high stature as well yeah well jack's place obviously so bad of the great man uh anything else from the memorial uh let's just check in with the european open before we get to the final uh, piece on the agenda before you give us an update um run through obviously talking about mav ancliffe in contention well, at least start of the day in contention for his maiden european tour victory he struggled a little bit today in terms of the other aussies that took part this week uh, Dimi Papadados is back in a group tied for 44th at present uh scriv jason scriven in a tie for 53rd um just working my way down uh is it gonna show me the miscuts yeah that's it Mimwele missed the cut way down almost be missed the cut Dan Lawson missed the cut, uh, as did Felton, Hend, and Jake McLeod as well. Jake McLeod in a bit of trouble at the moment. hasn't been playing yeah. uh, hasn't been playing particularly fantastic golf. But uh, just before we get to the final thing, I just can I just interject? Read the uh, NCAA Division One Men's well, Golf Championship because it might be a nice segue into where we're going. Unless you have anything else, I did just on the European yeah, tour. Go um, hit hit me. Uh, Jake McLeod might have been playing fantastic golf. He was a fantastic episode. So go back and have a listen to that one if you haven't. <laughs> that wasn't, that was a good segue though, but it wasn't what I was going to interject on. Um, Scott Hand, have you seen this interview? Oh, maybe. I don't know. There's a lot, there's a lot of golf content out there. Probably not. Hit me. It's been a big um, weekend over here in WA, as you know. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hashtag uh, new heights. Um, anyway, uh, Scotty Hand, the Aussie. So, He's had a tough, tough Thursday, Friday, 79-76 to miss the cut at 11 over. There's an interview that's, uh, as the kids would say, going viral Okay. after his 79 on day one where I think it's about a minute 46 long, so well worth your time if you can find it and spare two minutes. Um, Scotty Hen resides in the States. Um, he flew, uh, I think he was in Europe for a few weeks, flew back to Florida where he lives to celebrate his wife's birthday and then tried to make his way back to Hamburg for this tournament. I think he got rerouted through London and then Copenhagen because he couldn't get a direct flight to Hamburg to eventually arrive in Hamburg minus uh, suitcase and clubs. So he's rocked up to the tournament and he's talking through this in his interview. He's pissed off down to the local mall in Hamburg and he's gone to the Uniqlo and decked himself out. So he's bought himself a polo. He's bought himself some socks, some pants, um, he spends a good 10 to 15 seconds talking about how uncomfortable the jocks are that he's bought, and you wouldn't get that through our good friends at Two Under, so make sure you check them out, Two Under Australia or Two Under Oz NZ on the old, uh, on the old Instagrams. Use the 19th T promo code. Then he talks about his clubs, Druids. So he has borrowed a bag from a tour rep. He's borrowed the irons and the fairway woods of the guy who owns the club where the tournament's being played, a putter, from another guy on the tour and a driver from a third guy on a tour that's just a good friend of his. He's literally pulled this bag together to go out and hit a 79 on day one. 
Brilliant. and given one of the all-time great interviews I've ever seen, <laughs> talking through the whole experience. It's phenomenal. Fantastic. So to, to break 80, really, is, is quite an achievement on, Success. on, uh, on, on that number. Success. That's fantastic. I'll, uh, I'll have to go and find that myself. Good couple of segues in that last two and a half minutes for me. Anyway, um, moving <laughs> yes. on, NCAAs. Yeah, you're very well. I just wanted to shout out Pepperdine. Uh, so Pepperdine is a uh, is a college in California now. Look, go and do your own research on Pepperdine, but it's not a very interesting school. Uh, very very strict around rules. I mean, obviously people might be familiar with BYU and and what they can and can't do, being in the Mormon state of Utah. But uh, Pepperdine also has very very strict rules. They won three two over Oklahoma. Uh, to win the 2021 NCAA championship played in Arizona at the Greyhawk Golf Club. A guy by the name of Turk Pettit uh, was the individual champion. So keep an eye out for him in the next couple of years. Twenty, uh, Just running through a couple of names of people who were uh, the individual championship going back to 2012 was Thomas Peters, 2013, Max Homer, fast forwarding 2015, Bryson DeChambeau, Aaron Wise in 2016 when Oregon won the NCAA championship. Uh, Matthew Wolf is an individual championship. So keep an eye out for Turk Pettit coming through the ranks as well. He's out of Clemson uh, in South Carolina there. So very good golfing school, very good football school. But uh, keep an eye out for uh, Turk Pettit. So shout out to Pepperdine. I think that might be there. They've won a fair few golf tournaments as well. Uh, they've won a lot of West Coast conferences. I think this might be their second one. I think they won one in the 90s as well. So shout out to them. A quick break to hear from our good friends at Cobra Puma Golf, a leader in golf club innovation. They've unveiled the new King Tour Irons to expand their King family of player irons. The Tour Cavity back shape is manufactured using metal injection molding technology to deliver the most precise shaping with incredibly soft feel that better players desire. Building off the popularity of the King MIM wedges, Cobra is employing MIM technology to a full set of irons for the first time and reinventing the way premium irons are designed and manufactured. In addition to the MIM process, the new King Tour irons incorporate technologies that drive precision, forgiveness, and excellent feel in a player's cavity back iron. So if you're interested in feeling like, well, one of the best iron players on the tour and Ricky Fowler, look no further than the new Cobra King Tour irons with MIM technology. You can find more information at cobragolf.com.au and follow the great team at Cobra Puma Golf AU on Instagram. Just finally, Drudes, uh, because obviously you and I didn't record an episode last week. No, congratulations on your episode with Brett Rankin too. That was outstanding. Thanks, mate. He's a he's a good chat. He um, is. Talls, as he's referred to, <laughs> and uh, he's working his way down the Queensland coast playing in the Pro-Am circuit. I'm looking forward to catching him. We're going to go and have a hit at the, uh, the local X-Golf here in Brisbane upon his return, which I'm thoroughly looking forward to. But I, I, yeah, I really enjoyed that chat. He was very honest and open um, about his experience, which hasn't been typical, um, but I think is far more common than we would expect or know amongst that kind of second tier of, of golfers who don't have it all, all their own way. And he's, mm. he's certainly, um, you know, a, a story of resilience. So hope to see him have a bit of luck when he gets back into regular tournament play. Um, but that's a very long way of saying that you and I didn't record an episode together last week when all the, uh, Bryson Brooks saga was kicking off again. And I know it seems a little strange to 
to bring it up, given it seems like old news. But for those who didn't catch it, it kind of reared its head again over the weekend at the Memorial. So um, Bryson was at the Memorial, Brooks was not. Um, and there were a number of people taunting Bryson on Brooks's behalf uh, on the golf course. And I just kind of wanted to get your, your thoughts because this is deteriorating in my mind pretty quickly. Yeah. If you've been living under a rock, um, to give a really short and neat summary, a video emerged post the PGA Championship at Kiowa. Um, the origins of how this was leaked is still to be determined, um, and the video has subsequently been pulled from all social media uh, under copyright from the tour. But a, a, <laughs> unsurprisingly, a video was leaked of, I think it was either after the second or third round, Brooks Kepka was doing an interview with, uh, with Golf Channel. And uh, Bryson DeChambeau, you can hear him before he appears in the shot due to the metal studs on the concrete, but he walks behind the interview, um, essentially interrupts it because Brooks loses his train of thought. His eyes roll on the back of his head. The pure disdain for the individual is, is apparent. Uh, now, it, it emerged um, post the tournament that, that that video obviously never went to air, but you know, a bit of a ha-ha between the Golf Channel staff um, was uploaded onto their kind of share platform which seemingly is not password protected, a relatively common par, uh, uh, sharing platform in the United States. And that's how the video kind of, yeah, <laughs> that's how the video made its way around. Not least of which between Brooks and a bunch of his friends uh, in uh, a similar messaging service to a WhatsApp. So there is some conjecture as to whether or not Brooks had a direct hand in leaking it, which obviously wouldn't be surprising at all. Then we fast forward to, um, you know, uh, the cynics amongst us would suggest that in order to take full advantage of this controversy, because that that literally went viral, I think it was viewed 10 or 11 million times before it was pulled down, uh, was uh, the announcement of the next instalment of the match. Uh, where Aaron Rodgers and Bryson DeChambeau will take on Phil Mickelson and Tom Brady, who, of course, were the victors in the last match. Um, post that announcement, um, Brooks just tweeted directly to Aaron Rodgers, sorry, bro. That was the extent of the tweet, um, to which Bryson directly replied, um, it's nice to be living rent-free in your head, to which Brooks directly replied, just a video from Kiowa, uh, and it looks like it was recorded by a fan on their phone standing at a tee box with Bryson teeing off and saying, nice shot, Brooksy, um, which Bryson turns around and said, you know, whoever says that needs to get lost in as, in as many words. Then it kind of died down again, uh, seemingly. And then across the weekend, um, the nice shot, Brooksy, was ringing around Muirfield Village. Because uh, we always know, Drews, that the, the best way to tell people um, or the best way to get people not to do something is to tell them that you don't like them doing it. That's obviously mm. the most productive way of, of yeah. quietening something down. So nice shot Brooksy uh, was was following Bryce around like a bad smell. Uh, unfortunately, he probably had a pretty poor response. Um, and multiple occasions, he and his caddy pointed out people who'd said nice shot Brooksy um, who were subsequently escorted from the property. Piss poor, Really? Um, that's part of the, the the whole point of being an athlete in an arena is um, provided it's not personal or derogatory or sexist or racist or any sort of defamatory comments, which Nice Shot Brooksy is not, um, provided the comments are um, savoury, it's play on. It's all part and parcel of being an athlete. So not only did he have them removed, he then went on and lied um, bluntly in the post-round press conference. He was asked about it countless times. He said he found it flattering that people were saying it to him. 
and flat out denied having them removed, despite multiple confirmed reports of that being the case. I think it could have been done and dusted there. And, and this is where I kind of feel like Brooks has misstepped because I'm a big believer in not selling past the close. He didn't need to do anything there because Bryson had fucked up. It, it was poor, his response to some friendly jibing from the crowd. Brooks instead, um, via a activation with one of his sponsors, jumps on, records a video that he posts to his social media essentially making light of the fact that some of his fans had had their day cut short at Milford uh, Village. And for the first 50 people that sent him a direct message um, through one of his partners, they'd be sent a free case of piss, a uh, free case of beer. If you were one of the fans who shouted out, good shot Brooks and got kicked out of the tournament, making light of the situation, uh, which for mine uh, really is tantamount to him essentially encouraging it and mm. goading people to do mm. it, mm-hmm. which um, – as I said, I'm a big believer in not selling past the close and it just wasn't necessary. The best punches that that Muhammad Ali landed were the ones he didn't throw. There's a, there's a famous photo of Sonny Liston on the way down and the fight that he fought and Ali's got his hand cocked and he could have thrown a punch that he would have you know, grazed the chin and it would have spoiled a really dramatic and theater, theatrical moment. The best punches are the ones that you don't throw and he didn't have to do that. And now the debate has somewhat turned the other way. He's got people saying, you know, of what benefit is to you to goad boorish behavior on the golf course, which by the way, he didn't need to. There's plenty of people out there who'll do it without any encouragement. And now he's essentially made it fair game. He's brought it on. I guarantee you now for at least the next three to four tournaments, including maybe especially at the US Open. Where Bryson's the defending champ. Yeah. Bryson's going to get cancelled. I think, yeah, on that course, by virtue of the fact that he clearly is bothered by it. He lies about the fact that he's bothered by it. And then his nemesis is encouraging it. All the while, the tour stands idly by, dickless as per usual, either bring them together and pair them or step in and sanction them. Do one of the two because the... The silence makes them complicit and it's getting to a point now where it's hard not to think it's all a little contrived in the name of Pip. Yeah. I mean, I must admit I'm getting kind of over it. Like last weekend it was it was interesting. Like the, 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 the Twitter video was fantastic. Like I loved that. But now it's good. with the whole Aaron Rodgers thing that kicked off and then the stuff. Sorry, the bro. Yeah, the whole weekend. Like, I just, like, I, we put out a thing, or I put out the thing and said, like, what's people's thought on this? Like, love it or, or childish? And the overwhelming response was love it. And I think someone even responded and said, kick those 14 people out who had responded for childish. But the, the, the matter of fact is that the rivalry is awesome. I, I, I like the rivalry. And I use the term very loosely because I don't actually think it's rivalry. It's just these two fucking alpha males, like bucking heads. Like it's it's like when wildebeest get together and bash their fucking horns together. Yeah, I mean personally, I think it's like if you were to describe alpha males, I think it's a, a boy against a man. I think Bryson's bringing a knife to a gunfight, to be honest. But like Brooks is so much better at this stuff than him, which is why I don't really understand why he engages. But also, because, like, 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 who gives a shit? Like, why does this have to play out so publicly? 
do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like play it out on the golf course. And, and this comes back to, again, to the tour, like pair them up. We, you know, like pair them up wherever, wherever possible because the broadcast is going to go through the roof. People would, would kill to watch this. Like mm. I would watch it and I don't, I don't particularly love either guy. Like I'm not, uh, I, I don't hate either guy, but I don't love either of them. Like I would watch 18 holes of those two guys get paired together. And I think without taking us in a completely different direction, what it does do for me is it, it engages a conversation around the, around the Ryder Cup as to how these two are going to go together. Because I think there's a broader discussion around where Patrick Reed fits into the conversation around the Ryder Cup and whether he is a member of the team, given his ongoing sagas and how people within the team find him. What's that sort of feeling between Bryson and Brooks? I, I, I don't really know what that looks like, but I think it's an interesting conversation. I do, I, I've just got to the point where I'm kind of like, if this is going to play out on social media, like this is just schoolyard bullshit now. Like play it out on the golf course and find out who the best golfer is. Because right now I, I couldn't tell you who the better golfer is. I think they're both very, very evenly matched as, as golfers. Brooks has got the upper hand when it comes to this social media crap that goes on, but I, I don't think that's where the game needs to be at right now from a personal perspective. I tend to agree. And like we've had so many great rivalries in golf over the years that have played out on the course. And this that's is, it should be. Yeah, 100%. And to, like to the, to the point earlier, the, the deeper and the more petty this gets, it's really hard not to think that maybe they're just good mates and this is all, a, you know, a piss take to try and Control. get the clip of the 40 million. Yeah. Like it's actually got beyond the point where it seems genuine and now it's just a bit like, oh, you know, as soon as we start getting sponsors involved, we turn it into an activation and like I, I just, this is, but it's, you know, it's, 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 it's a classic case of the tour had a, an opportunity, you know, eight, 10, 12 months ago, you know, when this really started to rear its head to put them together and they've ignored it and they've fueled it. And now I think it's starting to um, just teeter on the edge of being counterproductive and, and dare I say it at worst conduct unbecoming. Um, and I, I just think it's not that it'll ever happen and not that they'd even dream of doing it, but it's, it's time that the tour just made a call, put them together or find them. Do something, but what, I don't. I don't know at a point at which we've got players goading fans into berating another player. I don't that's know. That's a great look for the game. No, that's bull. That's bullshit in my perspective. Like I, I'm completely with Bryson on that. On that point, I sit completely in his camp because I, I don't think that any player should. No other player should be able to to put that onto another player on the tour. And I to mean, be fair, Bryson doesn't need any of Brooks's help to get people to. <laughs> Goat him. <laughs> yeah, he does it all himself. Right. Yeah, that's exactly right. Exactly right. But like, I, I look at this like you know some of the great individual rivalries. Like one that springs to mind right now in the in the cricketing world that's been up over the the last little while was Warner and, and Stuart Broad. Right. Like mm. to me, that played out on the on the cricket pitch. Like there was mm. you know there was some taunting and all of that shit, but it happened out on the cricket pitch. Like it didn't happen on social media. Like David Warner wasn't tweeting some shit like i know his wife was spurting off absolute bullshit but whatever but like i mean i get it you're on sas australia not no one cares it's uh, we understand. 
But like it, that was a good rivalry that played out on the battlefield of, of the sporting field. Like if this was to play out on the, the sporting field, I, I think it would be so completely different. Like I said to you before we started recording, like you look at Arnie and Jack and Gary play it, like none of this shit happened in the public. Like it all happened yeah. on, on the course. Tiger and Phil was like yeah, mono, great mono on the course for years. Great example. Great and example. The, the, the tour have the golden goose in front of them that they're scared yeah. to use. Put them together. Like, I, I think that's a really important point, though, is that they are scared to, they are scared to do it. And I, I don't know why. I, I actually sat there trying to work out what are the reasons that the PGA Tour would not want to do this. Mm. Like I, I don't get it. Like I honestly, I'm starting to think that the only reason they wouldn't do it is because they're genuinely scared. Like something might happen. Like, like what? I don't know that they'll come to blows or there'll be an incident or they'll get physical or like. I would love that. I just like oh, you got to have a bit of faith. Like they don't like they really don't like each other. But I can't see them throwing the hats down and swinging on a green. Like it's not going to happen. I would like, fucking love that to happen, though. It's just I don't. I do not understand why they are running away from this opportunity, as you opposed would, to running toward it. It's you it's, would find out who the who the real alpha male is in that fight, oh, though. It's, come on, it's, it's, I don't think that's in question. No, but no, you would find out who it is if they paired them together, and one of them went, "Well, if I'm paired with him, I'm not playing." Brooks is a like he's a fucking all American linebacker. Bryson's a bodybuilder. Like, you put a pin in him, you pop. Oh, it's 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 not a question. It's a whole other podcast. Who'd be doing a fight in the PJ Tour? That's a whole. No, I'm not talking about. I'm not talking about a physical fight. I still think Brooks would win. But I'm saying, like, if they, if the tour went, we're pairing you together. Mm. You're going to be paired together for the first two days. You'd find out who flinched first, and mm. by by someone going, well, I'm not going to play. If you pair us together, I'm not going to play. And I I would not be at all surprised if that existed right now. If Bryson's party and Brooks's party both went to the PGA Tour and said, if you pair us together, we're not playing. I will not be playing in the tournament. Do you know uh, the USGA has a phenomenal opportunity in in 10 days' time to do it, to, to take the happen, bull by the horns and do something the PGA Tour has, has refused to do despite having 30-plus opportunities a year to do for the past two years. Put them together for the first two rounds at Tory Pines. Yeah, that like that would be unreal. Do it at a major. That It'd would be, be sick. sick. It would be sick. But the problem is, like, the USGA doesn't need that. People are going to watch the US Open regardless of whether they're paired together or not. The PGA Tour needs people to watch their tournament, and they've got this, as you said, this golden egg right in front of them that they're just so fucking blind to see. You know, you know who'd put them together? Who? Augusta? The, the Saudis. The Saudis <laughs> have put them together. Let me tell you, fucking Super League Golf, whatever it's called, they, they'd be paired together every week. You know what? The Saudis tell, have put them together with no hesitation. I tell you what, if the Saudis put them together, I'd be in on the PGL. Saudis <laughs> have put them together and, and put a blade in each of their socks. I'd be, so, I'd be so in on that. We get some real gladiator shit going down on the back. That'd be so cool. <laughs> I would be so in for that. Marcus Armitage has finished his round, by the way. He's in the uh, clubhouse at eight under. 
of our slate uh, might be so beaten. I wouldn't have thought. I wouldn't have thought so. He's a really, if you don't know much about Marcus Armitage, phenomenal story. He's also the most British bloke I have ever seen. Yeah, right, life. Marcus. Well, you won the golf tournament, yeah, you did you, Marcus? Golf for Marcus. Oh, you're right, Marcus. Yeah, he's a he's got a great story. He's, he's seen some things. He, he's he's seen some dark days of Marcus Armitage uh, and come back the other side. And yeah, I, I heard an interview with him. Uh, slept in a tent with his dad at a qualifier not all that long ago. Seems like a ripping bloke, but yeah. unbelievably British looking. Very so, very happy as he's walking so off. British. So British. I can may as well be off. Only way he reminds me of one of those guys uh, out of central casting that you know off to Malaga for summer <laughs> and comes back and he's like fucking pink. He's that burnt. That's that's like the in between is he'd be Neil putting fake tan on before going to to Magaluf or something. Oh, Brilliant, so good. Anyway, that's uh, that's probably Any a good golf? place to draw a line underneath it. No, Any other no. golf chat for the week? No, I got I got nothing. No. I'm golf chatted out to be to be fair. That was anyway. A- what have we got on the PGA tour this week? I think I've closed my tour. Oh no, I've got my tab open here. We are going to uh, Palmetto Championship at Congaree in Ridgeland, South Carolina. So back to South Carolina. We've only been there and back about four times in the last month. So that will be fun. Seven point three million up for grabs. Jordan Spieth field. Don't yeah. Don't think there's going to be that many big players as we head into the U.S. Open. I was just about to say, I'll probably struggle to care less about a tournament this year than, than this getting into the US Open. <laughs> yes, it's in that, uh, it is in that sort of period of time because then we have the US Open, then we have four tournaments, and then we're off to Royal St. George's, which is what I really have my eye on at the I'm moment. I mean, the US Open is going to be fantastic, but I am pumped for the Open Championship more than anything on the golf. What are the, um, have you still got the, the schedule there in front of I you? I do. What are the four tournaments between the US Open and the Open Championship? The Travelers, which Dustin Johnson won last year. The Rocket Mortgage, which Bryson won. The John Deere Classic. Uh, and then, sorry, it's only three tournaments. They're the three because then the Barbasol Championship runs in uh, parallel to the Open Championship, of course. Yeah, right. So, very, okay. very... We've got to get our shit together. That's a pretty big one, old Royal St. George's. Uh, we yes. do have a major next week, though. So we you'll do. have your usual. We're looking at a few different things. You'll have your usual US Open preview on the Thursday evening, leading into a Friday morning start. Um, we're also looking at a potential uh, Tory Pines, a uh, hell of a course, looking at a bit of a deep dive maybe on, on the course. And uh, we'll see what we can do by way of talking to someone on the ground. Might reach out to our good mate, Benny Everill, uh, who mm. writes for the PGA Tour based on the West Coast with this tournament on the West Coast. So. See what Benny's up to next week, but we will have all corners covered as we always do in a major week. So make sure you tune in um, for what will be a comprehensive week. Make sure if you haven't already, you subscribe. Throw us a rating. Some very kind. uh, I periodically jump in the review sections uh, of the old podcast. Very kind reviews, actually. Really? Yeah. For a while. Nice to get some feedback. Uh, Speaking of feedback, I know we've been promising it for the last couple of episodes and we need to pull our finger out of our ass and actually put together this listener survey, but that's coming. That's on me, actually. That action we, sitting with me. Yeah. <laughs> Is that action sitting? Can you minute that, please? <laughs> Take an action from this. I think um, you've only texted me about five times to get the link through to fine. the Google Doc again, but I will uh, I will Don't send it. it. It's okay. It's no, no one knows. Um, 
that will come out soon. So uh, as we said, we we are 130 odd episodes into this thing, and uh, we thought it was probably time we sought some feedback from the people who give up an hour and a bit of their time every week to listen. So uh, it's going to probably be broad. Uh, we want you to be honest. We don't want you to pull any punches because um, we'd like to be around for another 130. And we'll only do that with your support and you'll only continue to support us if you have content that you want to listen to. So um, we'll probably explore a prize, I think, Drewster. Yes. Um, for participation in the survey. We've got a few little goodies We've got sitting. A lot. Yeah, we've got a few little goodies sitting in the cupboard. We've got some exciting announcements coming up in the next couple of weeks mm. um, by virtue of which we've got a couple of goodies sitting in the cupboard that we can give away for prizes. So we'll look to give away a prize to one lucky winner who participates in the survey, um, but that'll be open for a few weeks. So uh, the link will be available via the socials. Once it's live, we'll let you know. Um, but yeah, outside, outside of that, Drew, support the partners, particularly our, our good new friends at Two Under. I've thrown the, the DAX on. Goodness me, the Joey pouch is a game changer. I'm, I'm literally wearing them right now. Woofty. Wow. They are fantastic. And yeah. the socks, the socks are elite. So as you know, Marshy, we had a big, Big event at work over the past mm. three days. I've worn their socks for the past three days. Outstanding. So we only, get... we only got one pair. Did you wash them every day? No. Okay, that's a bit weird. <laughs> no. I have. Uh, I've been uh, keeping up to date with my washing, mate. It's it's okay. I've only got one shirt from work, so I need to wash that every day as well. That's awesome. Cheers, guys. So, uh, yeah. Appreciate the contra. No, it's, uh, but... it's okay. It's caught up in Fiji. The contra. <laughs> Keep an eye out um, for our good friends at Two Under uh, Australia, New Zealand. I think it's at Two Under Oz NZ, Druids, mm. yes. on the gram. And Just go to uh, our gram and you'll find it. Yeah, we've been flogging the absolute piss out of it, to be honest. So <laughs> make sure you get around it. Uh, if you use 19th T promo code, you'll get 20% off. So Yes. And we also get a little bit of money because that's how sponsorship works. And then we can keep bringing this absolute bullshit to you every week. Correct, Amundo. Well, I'd suggest we've gone probably a good 10 to 12 minutes beyond what we needed to there. Yeah. Uh, so if you've made it to the end, uh, well congratulations. Thank you for your ongoing support. Enjoy uh, what's coming up this weekend. Uh, I've forgotten already what you said it was because, again, I couldn't get to shit. something, wasn't it? Yeah, the Palmetto's or something. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, anyway, we'll be back yeah, next Palmetto. week. Palmetto. Yeah, we're, we'll be back next week for a major. That's the fucking main thing. Let's go to Tory Pines. Uh, let's hope that, uh, you know, one of my usual six to seven hopefuls can get after it. <laughs> Look I look forward, forward to, to that list again for the preview next week. <laughs> four more garbage tips. I love, I, just very quickly, I love that there's a message that came through on Instagram that said, didn't one of you guys pick Keegan Bradley to pick to be yeah. the to to be a roughie? Like, yeah. I'll have to listen to your tips next time. I was like, geez, that's like about a one in 35 strike rate. So I wouldn't, wouldn't, I wouldn't put the house on it is what I'm saying. Well, I was actually a bit pissed off that. Yeah, because yours was good too. I was better. <laughs> Abraham Answer had the fucking low round of the tournament on the Sunday to finish T7 or T8. Yeah, but I think he was only like 39 bucks to win. Keegan came from the clouds, mate. Super set style at Flemington a couple of years back in the Oaks. Just from nowhere. Well, um, to that uh, to that Instagram user and to all of our loyal listeners, make sure you tune in for the Ruffy next week because uh, it could be anything. And once again, I would suggest that we'll get uh, none of them other than who won't win right. And we seem, we seem to be pretty good at that one. That's... um. To be fair, we seem to be really good at who won't win. This is the easiest one to pick. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. All right, mate. It's been good. Um, Congratulations to uh, Yuka Sasso, my favourite moment of the week. 
but beyond that, uh, I think there's plenty of good things happening in golf at the moment, and we certainly look forward to the next major of the year coming up next week at Torrey Pines. Uh, so we'll, we'll chat to you then. <laughs>